Daryl, are you a Christmas celebrator? Wow. Um, so is so that too much to ask in this yeah. day and age? <laughs> I'm, I'm having is that a question weird, out of bounds. I'm having a weird. I'm having a re- weird Christmas this year. Why is that? Like I don't know. I I've 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 tried to boil it down, and I think I'm trying to sort of make my own holiday. Like I've mm. experienced Christmas in a number of different ways, like church Christmas and basically like Macy's Christmas, like retail Christmas and. Sure. Sort of none of those really speak to me anymore. So I am struggling to sort of like get in the spirit of things and like get stoked about the holiday because I don't know. It's like I feel I feel a little bit lost this year. You're in San Francisco. Yeah. So greetings from the Bay Area. I just got in on um, a couple of days ago, but my flight was super yeah was super fucked up. So I got in super late, and I'm yeah I'm still kind of recovering from it, honestly. I find it harder to get in the mood for Christmas, the Christmas spirit. Find the cause for claws, if you will, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, if it's sunny outside and not snowing. Mm. You know, I like a little snow. I like a little reindeer. Yeah. Some bells. Uh, you know, quiet fire roaring. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts. Roasting, roasting, <laughs> roasting. Uh, a bouche de Noël. You What's know what that? that is? I don't know what that That's is. That's a Christmas cake. Mm-hmm. It's a cake that looks like a law, like a piece of wood. Oh, and you eat it? Yeah, you eat it. It's just a cake that. Well, it's a rolled cake. You ever had a rolled cake? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's just basically a a sponge cake and uh, iced. You ice it on one side and then you roll it up so there's a little spiral in the middle. Mm-hmm. So, sort of like a ho ho. Yeah, big ho ho. Except with one extra ho, ho ho ho. <laughs> Christmas ho ho. <laughs> and you decorate the outside to look like um oh it's a wooden log basically and sometimes you cut off like a slice and you put it on top so it's like a branch we're coming out uh-huh. maybe that was sawed off <laughs> <laughs> my mom and i used to make them uh yeah that's pretty um, funny a yule log is what they call it in america oh a yule log mhm Interesting. I never knew that was a reference to a snack. I always thought the Yule log was just like the Christmas log, like a special Christmas log that you had that would throw in the fire. <laughs> you, save, you save the best log <laughs> yeah. all year for Christmas. No, it's a cake, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. Damn. It's a delicious dessert that you eat on Christmas. Is it the type of dessert that's only made at home, or is that something that I could like get a slice of that Yule log at a restaurant mm. or something? Interesting. I don't. Hmm. The Cheesecake Factory, sir. See, I've never provided. been to a restaurant, a Christmas restaurant. Mm. Right? I feel like that's a thing that exists, maybe. Like, there's definitely... I've been to Chinese food on Christmas, mm-hmm. but they're not serving up Yule logs. Got it. Got it. Right. But, like, you know how I've been to, like, a restaurant for Thanksgiving dinner mm-hmm. that. And that restaurant served turkey and mashed potatoes and stuff. Hmm. And I suspect you could find a similar situation for Christmas. And would they serve Yule Log for dessert? Uh-huh. Don't know. 
Huh. Part I'll of the fun that. is like decorating. Um, I sorry, think I interrupted like, you. No, it's okay. I think I I grew up in uh, San Francisco's Japantown. They would have a similar year-round, really. Though um, they call it we call it a cake roll, but you would get it mm-hmm. from this Japanese bakery, and it was a um yeah a chocolate like a flat chocolate cake but it had the most delicious sort of fresh um whipped cream that mm. you would just lather on on top of it and roll that roll that sucker up and they give you a slice of it mm. at the bakery i used to really like those when i was a kid i look yeah, forward to that those sounds fucking awesome right really plain like not i don't know if there's anything else on it it's just chocolate cake really nice whipped cream um yeah does it have any? Is there any meringue involved? Not in that particular version. Hmm. One year, my mom and I got real fancy, and we made meringue mushrooms. Oh. So you whip up a meringue. You uh, put some on a silicone baking sheet, sort of in a circular fashion for mm-hmm. mushroom tops, and a little uh, tubular fashion for mushroom bottoms. And then you bake them. And then on the tops, you dust a little cinnamon for uh-huh. little brown spots. And then you sort of meringue glue them together. So you have cool. a meringue mushroom cool. on your Yule log. That's pretty sweet. Nice little Yeah, outdoor, growing up in New England, um, it's pleasant. <laughs> it turns out it's pleasant to grow up in fucking New England suburb. <laughs> He said, like, yeah, give me, a, give me a Yule log and some meringue uh, mushrooms and just go ahead and toss in, um, oh, shit, what do they call it? That thing that they serve with, like, the, the gummy worms and the pudding with the Oreos on top of it. Ambrosia? Wait. No, no, no. gummy this... worms and pudding and Oreos. <laughs> it's like a the thing that they would bring. fuck are you talking Yo. about? Yo. For sure. That's like a thing that like people would bring on their birthdays in like the first grade. Everybody would get like a a snack pack chocolate pudding and they would put like the Oreos on top of it and gummy worms. No. Um, it's not called a dirt salad, but like that's uh, that's oh, sort of what it looks like. Dirt pie. I'm a looking it pie. up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this looks terrible. <laughs> yeah. Hit me with a dirt pie, a Yule log and a meringue mushroom, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um but you didn't grow up in um beautiful bucolic New England. You grew up on the hard rough and tumble streets of uh California. That's true. Much like the main characters in our feature film from this week. Mm-hmm. The Fast and the Furious 1. The We're Fast back and at Furious. it. We're back at it. Cycle 13. Wow. Wow. Making it happen here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And you watched the film, I presume. That's why we're recording this. Yeah. And how was your watch through for you? I had a great watch. I did too. It's nice coming back, always. We say it every time, and it's nice to come back to the classic. I'm surprised we haven't. I'm just surprised we haven't hit the... Like, I remember doing this podcast three years ago with you and feeling... I mean, suicidal at points, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to make light of anybody's struggle. I'm just that it fucking was bad, right? Uh, and this round, I'm just like in another place with this mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling so good. It's so good to be back. Um, yep, doing it. 
What did you like about your watch this week? Um, I pulled out a couple really nice things. I yeah. like. I think one of the things we always say about it is that like it kind of pulls everything together. Like going back to the beginning, and there's so much that you gain from like um, the experience of knowing nothing about a character and sort of uh, yeah, like that first ninety percent of the characters that we see today. Um, all those things that made them who they are and who we like today are, were developed mm-hmm. in this movie, you know? And right. that's why the later films sort of, they lack a quality to them, but this is where most of the content is. Yeah, totally agree. 100% um, with you. I think, like, even from um, Brian's first race, like, one of the moments I sort of picked up on and sort of keyed into Excuse me. was, like... Um, sort of right when he, right when he loses the race, um, to Dom, yeah, to Dom, yeah, Dom blows past him. He does a too soon junior moment, blows up his manifold, and mm. um, basically did not finish the race. He has a really, he has a, they do a solo moment of him like sitting there. They cut all of the other sound, and then you just hear him, two hands on the wheel, breathing, and then his car is like yeah. exhaling in the same way that yeah. he is, and. <sighs> Right. Yeah. And at that time in the in that time in the movie, which is very early on, like we don't know that he's a cop yet, so we don't understand his cons- the like the his stakes in the game right mm, now. Totally. But, right. He's just um, yeah. He's just essentially blown up his what do you call it like an eighty thousand dollar vehicle, and it's it's up to him throughout the rest of the movie to sort of um, yeah how he reacts to that and how he handles that situation and how he. And what matters to him, right? Racing matters to him, proving himself to Dom and sort of like getting into sort of the rest of the case, which we find out later on that he's a cop. But I don't know. All those things sort of, there's a moment of centering for sort of him right there Mm -hmm. before he then goes and sort of has that, has that back and forth with Dom at the finish line when he's winning. And then he truly loves it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. He just loves racing fast cars. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, you even see that right before that race when he's like practicing by himself. Yeah, and how much he like sort of loves just driving around a parking lot, <laughs> you know. Um, it's nice to see that because we lose that a little bit in the later films. I feel mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just like Brian's love of the game, basically. We get a little bit of like the, he misses the bullets part, mm-hmm. right? But they could have connected that back to just, like, the adrenaline that comes from racing cars. The uh, experience of drag racing for a quarter mile is unlike anything else on the face of the planet. And Dom talks about that in his 10 seconds or less speech, basically. That's, Mm -hmm. like, what the whole thing's about. It was, like, that experience of, um, of, of drag racing for a quarter mile is almost spiritual right Mm -hmm. it's so beautiful and isolating and um you know makes everything else in the world disappear Mm -hmm. for 10 seconds or less and uh, i think brian one of the reasons dom and brian connect maybe initially is because they both feel that Mm -hmm. you know 
and that's what and that's what draws us the audience into it too right no like the majority of us have never sort of participated in a street race and their ability to communicate that sort of yeah through their characters and through oh, totally or that is like that's the first taste we ever get of it and it's never yeah it's never repeated really it's never it's never repeated as sort of effectively as it was sort of first shot here yeah, it's the magic of this movie. And unfortunately, like the surrounding pieces of this movie, I feel like are not quite as... Well, like, Ja Rule is bad. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, he's badly written. His character talks in the third person, which I realized mm-hmm. this go-around. Did you get that? I did you not got really that pick that up, no. He's like, what Edwin knows is that Edwin's going to have to... You know what I mean? Like, mm. his name is Edwin. And like Hector, kind of, you know, it's like Hector's a nothing character. Jaw rules a nothing character. Uh, just like the rest of the race culture, the family's sort of well put together, but the rest of the race culture that's sort of built in this movie feels thin. And mm-hmm. if we didn't have Vin and Paul working their ass off to engage the audience in this way, and really because I feel like at least. Vin is a good actor, so I think he's actually acting and doing it. But And then Paul actually cares about this world sort of for real mm-hmm. um, and is able to engage in it for real, unlike his other movies in which he sh- just sucks at acting. Mm-hmm. That we, we feel the two of them. You know, we feel this culture through the two of them, basically only. And the rest of the culture of this movie is really feels fake mm-hmm. to me um there's a part where they have a party at race wars right the wet t-shirt contest there's an airplane staircase which two like girls are dancing <laughs> on. there's um a guy doing did you ever have these back in the 90s there's like these um they're like rope with like light up beads on them that you like spin around. <laughs> yeah, I never had one of those before, but you know, it looks like a. It's sort of like yeah, yo-yo meets um, yeah, like devil know. sticks, but yeah. like yeah, but easier. Like you, just, yeah, they're not going anywhere. The worst Very thing that could happen festival. is to get festival. Yeah, exactly. Like music festival activity, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um. And to me, that vibe is, is translates the product of creative design, which is unfortunate. I know that that I said that in a really complicated, obtuse yeah. What does that? Just, what does that mean to you? What does that mean for everybody else? I, I just from from my perspective as like an art director who works in movies, and I'm not trying to like knock anybody's work. People, lots of decisions in movies get made for tons of different reasons. But I see the, like, decisions people make, right? Instead of, like, building a world that feels real, you've just, like, built a world of what you think I think this looks like. Mm. And um, it feels lazy in a way where, like, okay, let's just put some, like, dancing girls and we'll put some, like, funky stuff and we'll have them, like, spinning lights and we'll build this culture like, everybody wants to, like... Um, just get there and party and have a good time, you know. Um, and that decision making feels like a shortcut. Mm. 
to trying to get us to trying to build a world instead of actually building a world. Um, and the part that doesn't feel like a shortcut is the love that Paul and Vin bring through their characters of the activity and spirit, the spiritual activity of raising. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I didn't know I felt that way, but that's how I feel. <laughs> sort of came all came out. Um, yeah. Uh, and the rest, the rest of this movie is fairly thin, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I like is that it does like jump right into it, though. Yeah. You know. Uh, the first thirty seconds, we're on the road, we're racing, and we're pulling off a heist, which is nice. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you want to shout? You want to shout out? Yeah, let's get some shouties. Okay. Um, you want to go first? I can hit the first time. Let's do it. Um, so I think uh, one of the one of the sort of themes of my shout outs is like whenever I'm traveling, I always have something to say about sort of travel experience. This also this falls into that category. So I flew JetBlue here, mm-hmm. and one of the and I maybe. I sort of don't understand why it still exists or whatever, but like the the food service on airlines, like it's reminiscent of early sort of luxury flights where you could have a full meal, a martini, blah, blah, yeah. um, but it exists today in a continually degrading version of it, right? Aluminum to, trough. Aluminum trough. <laughs> they'll hand you, sometimes they don't give you the whole soda anymore. They'll just give mm-hmm. you a splash of soda, a bunch of ice. Here mm-hmm. you go. Fuck off. Um, uh, now sort of they'll do they'll do like a drink service and then they'll just uh sometimes yeah they're just like all right well the rest of the rest of the flight is going to be self-serve so you just we'll leave all the snacks and all the shit in the back and i'm sorry what yes that's i swear to god <laughs> one <laughs> one drink service like whatever right when they get in the air like 20 minutes after they get in the air they're like all right we're just going to leave everything in the back if you want anything go ahead and get it and I was like, what? I was like, this is like a, I was flying at probably, my flight was delayed. I was in the air and it was maybe 11 o'clock or something. Mm. And I was like, you want us to climb over each other to go back there to get pretzels? I was like, it doesn't make any sense. No. What is this, JetBlue, you said? JetBlue. JetBlue is like kind of nice to fly. Yeah, kind of like, nice and expensive. Yeah. And That's not a feature, okay? That's a bug. Yeah. You know, like... I don't. You need to be in control. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like airline. Yeah. You have to be in control of everything. We're in a metal tube, hurtling across the country, seven hundred miles per hour at forty thousand feet. I mm-hmm. need you to be in control of that situation. Right. I'm not yeah. into that. Yeah. Don't create a situation where passengers are forced to get out, get out except to go to the bathroom. Like. Yeah, you want people's butts in seats. That's in better. In seatbelts, all that stuff. Like the less yeah. people that are moving around, the better. And totally, you blew it. So that's a anti shout out to the self service in air concession. It's not even concession. It's just like a food cart. It's stupid. Ugh. Just bring it. Did this they even not... give you a full meal? No, I just got uh, whatever. They just on a cross country flight. They didn't give you a full meal. Nope. I just like that's. An astonishing, like, 
miscarriage of service in right? my mind. One drink service and then was the ticket up. ultra cheap? No, it's a full price normal ticket. I'd be if if I if I got on a plane <laughs> and they, if, then we're not gonna have a meal service. I'd be like, let me off the plane. Right? I'll go get a different plane. Right? Please, please and thank you. I, it's that's astonishing. <laughs> I fly Delta. That's basically what I fly when I'm in the U.S. Yeah, I like um, Delta. Yeah, I'm down with Delta, except for the one... And I found this is not exclusive to Delta. My issue is um, they started pumping music on during boarding. And mm. it's like, I'm not... Like, you don't got, you don't have to, like, social engineer this. It sucks. Yeah. Like, just yeah. let it suck. It's going to suck. We all get it. Let's just get on a fucking plane. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to do that. Yeah. We're not entering a nightclub here. It's not like... Enough with like the purple LEDs. Like Virgin started it. Nobody needed to copy that. Yeah, nobody. I'm not like it doesn't make me feel better. It's just purple light. You know, (laughs) I'm not a baby, right? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's a lot of. I feel like a lot of things these days are just like treat you like a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, try to social engineer the shit out of stuff. It just drives me crazy. Um, yeah, anti shout out to JetBlue for that, for real. Yeah. Like, don't actively like boycott that shit because yeah, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. I also have an anti shout out actually this week. Ooh. Not to be all negative. <laughs> well, I bought these lenses. I got like just, I got, I try to avoid the hoaxes, but I got hooked into that hoax. <laughs> Big time. Contact, are these contact lenses you're talking have about? Have you heard of what blue light is? I'm familiar, I'm familiar with blue light. I literally told my mom, I was like, I feel like it's a farce. <laughs> did you, when did you tell her that? Like literally yesterday. She was like, my eye, she was like, I've been looking at my phone a lot and I think my eyes are getting worse because sometimes I can't see the words on the TV. Uh-huh. And I was like, she's like, I think it's the blue light. I was like, I don't know, mom. I feel like blue light, blue light might be a farce. I think blue light is a total bullshit, basically. Yeah. That's how I feel. I think it's absolute total garbaggio. Right. Um, I think bright stuff when you're laying in the dark in bed, it's maybe not the best. But True. like other than that, fucking blue light is garbage. Yeah. And I bought these <laughs> these glasses. <laughs> Somebody was like, yeah, blue light, man. Make your eyes will feel so much better at the end of the day, like if you work and like you have these glasses on. So I bought these glasses from. It's called I Buy Direct E Y E B U Y Direct. Uh, dot com. They were like thirty five bucks or whatever. Nice. They're clearly polarized in some way. Like you can see like a red green iridescence on the lens, but they're just mm-hmm. clear lenses, and you wear um You're supposed to like wear them while you work at a computer, right? So, like, it, they have a blue light filter on them or some shit. Mm-hmm. They just give me a headache. <laughs> to, like, that's... I don't know if they're doing something. I don't know if they're saving my eyesight. Like, whatever. There could be some long-term benefits. But the tangible effect is I just get a headache from them. Um. Wait, is there a prescription on them or no? No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I have to wear contacts with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, I, it's just like I'm 
basically anti shout out to Blue Light. <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking good taking good people's money. Okay, like it's not real. Yeah, it is it's real. Not it's real. not. It's not hurting you. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. And then I went to the eye doctor one time, and I was like, "Oh, what do you think about blue light?" And he was like, "It's fine." <laughs> He's yeah. like, "The more thing is just like you're staring at something like little stuff all the time. Like your our computer screens are so resolution good resolution now." All stuff can be like really legible, but also very small. So he's like, "Your your mm-hmm. attention is really focused on small stuff for long periods yeah. of time." I like. I just hate, look up. I hate it when people like. He's like, just look you, away. You do this, but like computer. they put like, the once an hour, maybe take night mode break. on on their computer, or like makes everything all yellow and stuff. I was like, yeah, it just makes everything on your computer look like trash. Like if I'm looking at a screen, yeah. Yeah, it just looks terrible. Oh, night shift. Yeah. yeah, and so I like as long as I can stand it. I like. You just make it yellow. I want my brightness up all the way. Or orange. I want to see what I'm looking at. Yeah, it looks bad. Because I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm straining myself if it's yeah, if it's all yellowed out, or if you turn it on half brightness, just burn up all the power I'm and show me 100%. what I'm looking at. Like. Mm-hmm. Right. Again, I don't need to be social engineered or baby. I feel like it's the same thing. Like, I don't need to be social engineered here. Let me right. do the stuff. You know? I got it, yeah. guys. If yeah. my eyes feel shitty at the end of the day, I'll, like, work on a solution for that. But, like, until that happens, just let me do the stuff. You don't have to do it for me. I'm an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about... Sure. Well, I want to talk about the Fast and the Furious, but I want to talk. About, I have a one big mm-hmm. thing I want to talk about before we train. close out this pod. Like tr- train with no eye. Johnny Tran, is it Tran or Tran? It's Tran. Love it. Mm. Johnny Tran, I feel like is a really. He how is he a villain in this movie, basically? Let's he think about not. this for a second. Bought those legally. Was he stealing Panasonic DVD players and two-in-one VHS TVs? No. He did not. He did used, he have he defense? Did he steal his own engines out of his did cars? You, all right, so I, yeah. He did not. Like, the thing is, like. Mm-hmm. Johnny Tran is just kind of a dick, right? But like he didn't do anything wrong, and he's cast as like this super villain. I get that they kill Jesse in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like let's ignore that for a second. He wins a mm-hmm. legitimate race against Jesse, but we all think he's a bad guy for that. He gets his how he gets swatted basically, right? For doing nothing. He. Gets his engines stolen out of his cars, and to be fair, Ted did steal his Ted fucking engines. I know he steal like his engine. So pours I, oil I picked in up his on mouth, this, but like they described, um, he did steal his fucking engines. I'm really echoey here. Yeah, um, uh, I heard I heard them describe Ted as an upper echelon fence. Oh, you good man? It's like, hey, you're good. You're a smart yeah. fence, Ted. Where are my engines? So Ted 
as a as a fence person in a whatever like from from knowledge of heist movies a fence is somebody who you liquidate your stolen assets to so he's somebody that um yeah like knowingly buys stolen goods from criminals and then resells them so he's holding on to johnny tran and crew's engines and okay we don't, we don't know who stole them but we know that they're stolen goods okay Who stole him? No, he didn't do it. He's just yeah, yeah. Johnny Johnny Tran is just trying to but get Johnny, the best the point deal is Johnny on Tran his high performance. Right. Auto Ted knows where they are yeah. in the warehouse, but yeah. Totally, mm-hmm. and like you know, and they were on his turf. Yeah, he he blew up the car, but they were on his turf. <laughs> you know. So I feel like he's sort of miscast as this villain when really Johnny Trent's kind of maybe a good dude. Yeah, you know, didn't I do mean, a whole lot wrong and gets like shit on because why? <laughs> Dom's crew, you know. That's right. And guess who's the actual fucking criminals? <laughs> Dom's crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, they're actually criminals for real. We learned it in the first right. thirty seconds. We know they're. The criminals. Or I guess we don't. They have masks on in that scene. But, yeah. like, we learn it. We learn Yeah, Dom They're says the that sort of the ride, yeah, we the reason they have beef is because uh, Dom slept with his, so, his sister yeah. and their deal went sour. It was like, yeah, it sounds like it was your fault, Dom. It sounds like it's your fault. It sounds like you sort of blew it. Yeah. Get, yeah, keep your totally. dick out of my family members, please. And stay out of my neighborhood. <laughs> keep- or we'll shoot your car. Keep your dick in your pants, dude. You know? <laughs> yeah. Please. Please. Yeah. Especially after you fucked my sister, stay out of my neighborhood. Please. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, all Johnny Tran's trying to do is have a nice dinner mm-hmm. with his family, right? Like, that's it. And, like, he gets swatted. He gets, like, yelled at by mm-hmm. his dad. I just feel for the guy. So, like, when all this boils over and, like, he makes a rash decision and kills Jesse, it's sort of like, we didn't hmm. see this coming. And he has to pay the ultimate price. We're led to believe he's dead. We are led to believe he's dead. We are led to believe he's dead. But you know who's not dead? Lance mm-hmm. the Pants. Um. Anyway, man. Uh, that's it sure. for me this week. I have week. a couple more. So, what else you got? Um, yeah, hit me. I was trying to figure out like what makes the the truck heist stuff so high profile, right? Why is the FBI involved? Why is LAPD here? And um, mm. I think in Brian's first visit to um the whatever Hollywood mansion, they mentioned like, hey, like. This puts this puts us, or all these thefts are adding up to like a six million dollar, or puts us six million dollars in the political crosshairs. And I didn't really understand it before. Like to me, it never really lined up. Like why are why do truck robberies amount to sort of political unrest and sort of involving multiple um, law enforcement agencies to partner figure out who it is? It seems like the level of the crime does not match sort of the response to it but mm-hmm. um i recently watched that 
Irishman uh, movie. <laughs> yeah, I watched it too. And, yep, you. Right? Like a big, like one of the key parts of that movie is the truckers union has like a huge amount of political influence. Yeah. Free Mafia. The yeah, Teamsters. The Teamsters. And I was like, is that is that the thing that's at play here? Is like union sort of truck drivers like have political influence. That's why they got to figure out who's killing them. It's not just vigilanteism, mm. right? That doesn't involve that. That wouldn't require FBI involvement. But like, if there's Teamster and sort of political sort of stuff that's sort of forcing this to stop happening, then all of a sudden it sort of puts everything. It kind of makes everything a lot. That's what I was thinking. Very well, I don't want to say very possibly because the IBT, the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, certainly had political decline after James uh, Hoffa died or was mm-hmm. disappeared um, and lost a lot of ground. And now, in today's world, there are, I mean, the Teamsters exist uh, and they're a fairly strong union. It's just like inter I don't know if like long all like all, I don't know if all long haul truckers in the US are union mm-hmm. or not mm-hmm. anymore. Basically. I don't quite know their status of just like a regular long haul trucker. I know that like in the films and in New York you drive a truck in New York, mm-hmm. you're a teamster, basically. If you're doesn't matter you're delivering papers, you're doing you know, whatever. All the teamsters. Uh, you can't get anything from a place to place on a film set in New York without hiring mm. a teamster. Um, but in Southern California, in LA, in 2001? Probably not. I don't know, maybe. I mean, it's a big city, and it's a union town. It's not impossible, mm-hmm. basically, is what you're saying. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. I don't know the... Yeah. I don't know. It's a great right, theory. Right? I learned something through the Irishman, yeah. and I was like, "Hey, maybe this is uh, maybe this is something at play here." But I thought that was kind of cool. The other thing I learned about during the Irishman was that Marty Scorsese needs somebody to tell him to, or just like make a series, uh-huh. Marty. You know what I mean? Like edit, either edit it down <laughs> or make a series. Because I don't got, <laughs> I don't got time. I don't have three and a half hours to watch this movie. That, I don't do. That's exactly I can't do what it. Jess said. She was like, "Yo, like that was fine. We watched it and kind of we took a, like a long intermission in the middle." She's like, "That should have been a miniseries." Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. And hire an actor to play young De Niro. I don't care. I'm done. You know what I mean? Like Marty's not gonna be offended. Yeah. I said this for sure. Like. Just hire an actor to play young De Niro. He's old now. Hire mm-hmm. a different person. You don't want that I'm CGI sorry. rosy face? I'm sorry. I, I cannot... I, I'm pulling my <laughs> eyeballs out over the fucking computer faces. I'm, it's driving me... It's, I, we gotta right. stop. We have to stop I mean, What are we this? gonna do? What are we gonna Man. do in Fast 9? Like, we're gonna get like a good... Are we supposed... Are we expecting more CGI face? I'm sure computer face will be right. all over right. Fast Nine, right. and I'll have to watch it. You know, um, and like I, even where it's actually understandable, like there's some places where it's unforgivable, like The mm-hmm. Irishman, right? Like that's basically unforgivable. Um, but like a movie called Gemini Man, where Will Smith and twin but younger Will Smith sort of have to 
play against each other. It's almost, I haven't seen the movie, but like it's almost justified, right? That Mm -hmm. they need to do it. But even from the trailer, I'm like, this fucking sucks. Like, I can see your face, and this sucks. Yeah. You know? It's... it's <sighs> we gotta stop. I don't know how to stop. I don't think there's a way to stop. Mm-hmm. But we should, basically. Let people get old, you know? Let people get old. God, just let them get old. And just, like, hire somebody... Young. Yeah. Get that new talent in there. Develop a new develop a new actor. Yeah. Hmm. That's it. You know, develop new talent, exactly. There's plenty of actors out there who would who would die for a young mm-hmm. Niro role. Mm-hmm. You know? And like could do a really good thing. And like allow I know it happens and I know a lot of actors like it it's such a it can be such a special thing where the older actor maybe sets the tone for the character and like makes a lot of decisions about the character and it's the younger actor's job to sort of work with and interpret those decisions that another person has made in Mm. their performance which is a total interesting challenge and like creative expression and we're losing it Mm. yeah no more no more anyway I hope Paul Walker comes back for Fast (laughs) 9 Yeah. <laughs> Still yes. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I hope he's in it. <laughs> and they do the voice modulation yeah. of his brothers or whatever. It'll be great. Um uh, uh oh yeah. What else you got? So, uh I picked up also for the first time uh, back to the uh, first racing scene. Um they're crowded around uh Dom's RX7, Brian pulls up, Dom makes his oh intro mile speech um he's definitely standing mm-hmm. on a block he's been on oh, a block yeah. since movie one and i didn't realize it until i was watching i was like wait a minute the only reason why you have to shoot this next to the car is because and i was like dom's not that tall and he's looks huge in that no. scene i was like oh my god he's been standing on he's a short. block since day one yeah mm-hmm. big time you can i think I think in five, there's a scene in Rio which you yes. can spot it. You can spot the Apple box. Yeah, where they get on. the blue GT3 and the rock is there and they... I'm almost yeah. positive. Exactly. Yep. I'm almost positive there's a cut. There's a quick cut in that scene in that scene where you can right. see the Apple box. He is yeah. short, I think. Yeah. Yeah. They put him on a box. <laughs> they were like, he showed up on set and they were like, oh, Goodness. my. <laughs> Let's get yeah. props over here. We got to get an Apple box. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> um, it's got to be tough going through life as a short. He's not that short, though. He's as just, short he's person. a wide dude. So, like, they would kind of prefer for him to be a little bit taller. It exactly. Yeah, I think in real issue. life, he's probably yeah. like 5'10, 5'11. How tall like are you? 5'10. Yeah. Still seems like it's going to yeah. be tough. I'm looking up how tall is Vin Diesel. Uh, it says 1.82 meters. I don't actually know. All the <laughs> Google's, Google's using your position to. Yeah, they're change. getting my location yeah. data. 
Yeah, it's yeah. like five eleven. Um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's not that short, but still. Um, final. The Rock is how tall? Like eight <laughs> yeah, eight eight one. You know, <laughs> so, five hundred five hundred like pounds, that. something like that. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Last thing I had for this for this episode was um, Jesse's meal prayer. He starts heavenly, mm-hmm. and then um, um, our boy, uh, what's our guy's name? Cops, 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 cops. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Leon. Our boy Leon is like cops, yeah, cops, 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 heavenly, cops. and then Leon yeah. goes spirit. As if he's adding to it. And we always thought he was just adding to it. But the reason why he's there is because he's supporting Jesse. Because Jesse has right difficulty with his dad. Who's in jail. Or in prison. Whose car. Blah, 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 all that. So he's struggling to find the word. He doesn't want to say father. Because he has sort of like a messed up issue oh, with his father. So Jesse. Oh yeah. So Leon my. helps him out. He goes spirit. Oh my good, right? god. Yeah, that's incredible. That's very, very good. Leon's the most supportive dude. That's his he's yeah. Leon's so yeah, nice. He's so nice. A Leon Johnny Tran spin-off <laughs> would be just mm-hmm, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. Even if they did shorts, if they like they took the Leon story and just started it like the, they did um was it that Breaking Bad El Camino thing? Just put him in the put him in the Black Civic and sort of let us know where he goes from there. Did you see BBEC? I did. Hmm. I did not watch it. Was it good? Yeah. It was yeah, it was alright. It was alright. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Did what it was meant to yeah. know, basically. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you want to wrap up this pod? Yeah, let's close it off. Uh, you can check us out on Instagrammy. No one likes to tune a podcast. Yeah, Daryl's throwing a couple uh, things up there. I bought a new car. You can see that on there if you want. Um, you can find us at Nolt Podcast on Twitter. N O L T T mm-hmm. Podcast. Uh, you can send us an email. Mm. No one likes to tune a podcast at gmail.com. And uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash no one likes to tune a podcast. Honestly, like, come on. You know? <laughs> come come on. on. How many, uh, come how on. many, um, uh, zombie, mo- how many, uh, Resident Evil? Episodes are up. We both of them. Two, two and uh, yeah, two are up, and I think we should. Pro- I'm down to record a third. Me too, soon. actually. Um, so if people don't know, we've been reviewing the Resident Evil movies mm-hmm. uh this year for the Patreon for the patrons on Patreon, and uh, if you want to listen to those episodes, become a patron. Um, you can throw us a buck. You can throw us four bucks. You can throw us the two variants of that in between um and yeah it's really easy and it means a lot to us honestly 
It'd be very cool. So yeah, if you want to sign up, patreon.com slash no one likes to tune podcast. We post some exclusive picks and polls and mm-hmm. shit up there too. So yeah. uh, join up. And uh, always rate and review us, Apple Podcasts. We love it, basically. Uh, that's it for me. Same That's a wrap. We'll, talk, we'll chat next week on Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah.